Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on the Brett Saunders Podcast, let's meet Napoleon Dynamite. I'm talking about John Heater, also the CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. John Heater is Napoleon Dynamite. A decade and a half ago, he appeared out of nowhere as the star of one of the most successful independent films of all time. He joined me to talk about Napoleon Dynamite's legacy. What kind of bike do you have? It's a sledgehammer. Dang, you got shocks, pegs. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? Brett, this is John. How are you? I'm wonderful. As wonderful as you could be, a nice morning and, uh, yeah, ready to go. Where are you calling from, John Heater? Uh, Santa Clarita, California. Oh, that's nice. Sunny, yeah. deserty, sometimes pretty, but mostly kind of deserty. Not really my vibe, Santa Clarita. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's got it's good points, um, but it's close to uh, well, it is. It's L.A. County essentially. So you know, it's I've been there for quite a while now, and it's great. You're close to work, but you're far enough away from work. Yeah, where I don't have to smell the smell the stench that uh, permeates from the garbage that is Hollywood. Um, <laughs> now that's that's painting a picture that isn't quite honest. Um, I I love Hollywood. I actually really do. Um, so no, it's great. Uh, it's a good place. Uh, I got kids. Kids run around. They can play in the. Playing in the yard with the butterflies and the daffodils. I bet a lot of our listeners didn't know that you were born in Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah. Treason to celebrate. Woo! Um, <laughs> I moved out. We, we moved away when I was two, so I don't remember a gosh dang thing. Um, but I will say I've always had Colorado pride because of it. You know, it's kind of one of those things. You know you're born there, and so you just – you hold on to that. But then all that pride over all those decades, you know, doesn't really pay off because people didn't like, yeah, Fort Collins. So tell me all about it. I'm like, oh, uh, uh, well, they have a hospital that has a competent enough staff <laughs> that I was able to survive my birth. That's about all I can say. Let's hear it for Fort Collins hospitals. And, you know, a lot of people may not know that you have it's an identical twin, right? That's correct. So they they were successful on two births, at least. So that that you know, that's a great track record for the Fort Collins Hospital. How do I know I'm not talking right. to uh, John Heater's twin right now? Well, I mean, unless you have one of those voice identifier, you know, uh, machine technology machines, uh, you can't ever be sure. And uh, frankly, this is the kind of job I would have him do for me. Uh, talking no no I don't blame you what are you talking about some dumb disc jockey in Denver (laughs) Um, no uh, yeah uh, you you don't know actually they say he has a lower pitch than myself so um, I can just talk lower and you just wouldn't or maybe he's talking higher I don't know you know I love these underdog uh, 
independent film stories, and the story of Napoleon Dynamite really is one of the great ones. You made $1,000, I understand, uh, to uh, star as the lead in Napoleon Dynamite. Well, yeah. Initially, they didn't have a lot of money, and I didn't have a lot of representation. So uh, it was just kind of nothing was official. Was that your lowest-paying gig to date? Um, surprisingly, no. <laughs> really? What was your lowest-paying yeah. gig to date in show business? Well, there's been couple. There's been a couple things here and there. Like everybody in the business, you know, will do like a favor, like, uh, oh, I'll do a cameo in your thing. They don't have a lot of money, so you just like they tell you they're going to pay you something, and then they never do, and you never expect it because you just do it as a favor. So. Yeah, there's been a couple of things where I, you know, it was just, again, it was just a favor, but it was technically, I guess, a gig. Um, so, yeah. I spent a lot of time in small towns in uh, Colorado and Wyoming back in the late 1980s. You guys captured that essence so well by actually filming in a small town in Idaho. I was wondering, what, what was that like? I mean, if there wasn't a lot of money to make this film, did you stay at? Uh, friends of the director's house or how did that work well everybody except for the actors did uh they had because you know yeah he had grown up there and his uh family obviously was connected in those very small everybody's connected in that very small town and so they had uh people that they were putting the crew up at uh staying in basements and you know guest rooms and stuff like that and there was a part of me that wish I could have done that as well. Um, I actually had done, I did do that when we shot the short film about a year and a half prior. Right. That the feature is based on. Um, and so I did stay at Jared's parents' house. And that was, it was, again, it was very, it was fun, but it was just exactly what you expect. And there's so much charm when it comes to those kind of um projects and i would not have complained one bit i think it would have been fun to like hang out because really the alternative was what they feel like you know in most productions you feel well you got to take care of the actors you got to make sure they're happy so they put us up at the plaza motel which was you know one of i think two motels there they had no hotels it was just motels and it was very you know, kind of right off Route 66 kind of vibe where you're just very small little hotels, very crusty. Um, but, you know, I was alone. I was just staying there in there alone. And uh, and at the end of the day, we'd work until pretty late and we'd be so tired and gross that we wouldn't. There wasn't no hangout vibe after, you know, in the evenings, which I think we would have done more had we had better this is right before most most everybody did not have uh cell phones um is right before i think where you know people were starting to get cell phones but i think most of us we didn't have cell phones and and we'd just be tired so we just like you know the end of the day was not exciting whereas you know i've worked on some you know projects where that were independent and you start you know hang out with the cast or hang out with some of the crew and what are you guys doing afterwards but it really just depends on the shoot we were so busy and such a tight schedule that I just wanted to get back and crash. It takes a lot of effort to mouth breathe for 12 hours a day. <laughs> is that your natural resting face, by the way? It is, actually. So it really wasn't that tiring. What are you going to do today, Napoleon? Whatever I feel like I want to do. Gosh! Now, there's this character, this Napoleon Dynamite, 
whom you portrayed. You were the title character in this film. For some reason, this character exploded. So many people could relate to him. How much of this character is you? Uh, well, a lot of it was. Certainly, I was, you know, right along there with everybody else when I when I first read the character. I was, uh, I truly felt the same way. I was like, "Wow, this is someone like I know this guy. I, I this is kind of me, but it, it's a caricature of me and who my younger brothers were." And, and uh, it was it was more like a lot of the mannerisms were, you know, me and my brothers, but just kind of the weird kind of loner kid who nobody really uh, knows exactly what's going on in their life because they just seem to be comfortable in their own world, but, and seem to have a confidence in kind of doing their own thing. They're not trying to be cool. They're not trying to like, uh, um, get with the in crowd. They just are kind of going their own path. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's exactly what I read. And so I've, really was very happy to kind of feel like, hey, finally, we're putting this guy on screen. It's, it's I, I can't believe we haven't done this before. So I was very excited. And, and yeah, the, a lot of it, sure, was, uh, I guess, me growing up, except that I smiled a lot more than Napoleon. Right, he does not smile. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't smile. He doesn't emote much. And I had a lot more uh, emotion. But, um, but yeah. There's some. Uh, there's a lot of me in there. Where would he be now, fifteen, sixteen years later? Um, I think it's um, looking a little. I don't know if I'd say bleak, but um, <laughs> you know, it's he's charming when he's in high school, but I think in the adult world he's going to be a little bit more trodden down by the uh, uh, society by um, the demands of adulthood. Um, I think there might be some alimony he's paying in there, <laughs> some child support, possibly. Um, he's working with uh, adjusting to adult braces. Uh, you know, he never really squared that away when grandma was in charge. So now that he's, now that his second wife is demanding it, um, yeah, he's trying to clean up his act. So he's still Napoleon. He's still trying to be, trying to, you know, get the skills that are going to make him sweet. Well, I'm hoping that he's uh, made it to Twin Falls by now. <laughs> he's moved up to Pocatello. Oh, Pocatello. That, wow. Yeah, everything is up from, uh, yeah, yeah, everything is up from uh, from Preston. One of the more impressive uh, facets of Napoleon's life is uh, is his dance skills. How did you come yeah. up with those? Were those your invention? That yeah, that was just that was just me. Uh, that was kind of like I liked to dance, and Jared knew that. I don't think he had seen me dance much, but he just had enough faith. He's like, I think, he's, yeah. It's not like we auditioned the dance, but he had friends who had told him, dude, John, like, because we were in similar, you know, friend circles at uh, BYU and in college. And so I guess they're like, you know, just telling me, hey, this guy can bust a move. And I, he really just took it at face value. He's like, all right, that's going to be the climax. Uh, we're going to make that, you know, so just kind of do your thing and you'll make it cool. I think he was very just willing to like anything I did 
would have been fine just to see Napoleon even attempt to dance, even if it was bad or if it was good. I, I mean, I see it. I see it's kind of like there's a crustiness there, but I suppose just seeing Napoleon doing anything besides standing there with his slack shoulders and mouth breathing then would be, you know, a feat. Well, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's great. That's what I think, John. <laughs> Well, thank you. Sure. I, I, lo- I take that compliment. There's always been a little, I wouldn't call it controversy, but maybe some confusion about where the name Napoleon Dynamite came from. Elvis Costello used it as an, uh, an alias, an alter ego at some point, I want to say in the uh, late 70s or early 1980s. But it turns out that that's not where the director and, and where you came up with the name, correct? That's correct. Uh, the director, Jared Hess, so... Yeah, he met the guy, met this guy on the streets of like um, Chicago. It was like years ago. It was it was a couple years before he shot the film, but he met this guy in Chicago, and they started talking. I don't remember the total situation, but they were talking about their names, like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, Jared," blah blah blah. And the guy was like, "Well, my name is Napoleon Dynamite," and. That's what this Italian guy claimed his name was. And Jared was like, whoa, that is the coolest name I've ever heard. And he wrote it down in a little, you know, booklet just saying like, all right. And it was because around that time he knew he was going to be, he wanted to be a filmmaker. And he was like, if I ever make a movie, that's going to be the name of my title character. And that's the way Jared tells it. But then it was soon after the movie. I, I don't even think it had come out yet. But we, you know, we were just learning how to Google things. And we discovered that that was Elvis Costello's, uh, like, alias that he used or, or pen name or whatever, you know, he used for one of his albums, I think. It was like, I think it was for an album or two. And so my assumption, we kind of, no one has ever really, you know, put it down officially, but our assumption is like, this guy was probably a big Elvis Costello. Fan. Right. That, that was my conclusion, too. Is the only thing I can imagine. I guess, unless Napoleon Dynamite just is an obvious name that anyone would put together. <laughs> Not too like, likely. Oh yeah, that's, uh, there's five other Napoleon Dynamites out there. You know, born at different decades and nobody knows each other. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we never got any uh, cease and desist order uh, papers from uh, from the Costello estate, so I think we're okay. John Heater, it's going to be great to see you on Saturday night. It's nice talking to you, and you'll be in Boulder this Saturday with the screen. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No so, why didn't your favorite band make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Let's find out from the Rock Hall's CEO, Greg Harris. Good morning, Brett. How are you? I am well. How are you? I am fantastic. It's a special day for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. It is a special day. So as CEO, I did not know that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had a CEO. What, what kind of perks does that entail? <laughs> well, you know, we're 
We're an amazing museum in, in Cleveland, Ohio. We host, um, we've had over 13 million visitors in the last 24 years. And uh, my role as CEO is uh, every day is a work day and every day is a weekend. We get to be around rock and roll and share our passion, share our exhibits. We do 100 live shows a year. We have a great team of curators. We have great experiences. And I, I get to just be involved and keep the place running well. And then once a year we announce our new inductees, and today is that day. Today is that day. We have the Doobie Brothers. Uh, Depeche Mode, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious B.I.G., and T-Rex. How intense is it with the people who are members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to make these decisions? Do things ever break out in fisticuffs? group. Um, first and foremost, there's two steps into the process. <clears throat> One is there's a nominating committee. This year, the committee nominated 16 artists, and everybody goes to that meeting and brings the nominees that they feel are important. Once that ballot is made of 16, it goes out to all the other inductees and some historians and some writers, about a thousand people. So, you know, when it goes out, Springsteen votes, Smokey Robinson votes, Tina Turner votes, the members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers all vote. And what happens is when that comes back, the top uh, five or six are elected, and this is that group right now. Um, a lot of the passion that you see publicly is from fans. Fans care if their artists get inducted or not. Uh, there's massive celebration for some of these artists, and there's also some folks that feel some disappointment because their favorites have not been inducted yet. Yeah, I want to get to that in just a second, but it's interesting. The pool must get bigger every year because as more people get inducted, they also become part of the panel that decides who will get inducted the following year. Uh, yes, uh, that happens. We're adding more. And uh, uh, there's also the unfortunate circumstance where we're losing some artists. Oh, true. Um, and and, uh, and that, uh, uh, from them passing, um, you know, Neil uh, Parrott uh, was the most recent of, of, of Rush. Um, and um, we, um, uh, so it's, it's always changing a little bit. Um, but really think about an industry where the, the voting body are your peers. So your other artists are the ones that are voting and looking at your impact and influence. And the, it's been that way since day one because they understand this. Um, they've lived it. It's, it's part of who they are. It's part of what shaped them. With a degree of empathy for you, Greg, it must be traumatic sometimes to form these bonds with these artists who uh, we do lose them. We, we lose them at a young age, and, and sometimes we lose them at a very old age. But these are people who are connected to you. So, in other words, you have to deal with a lot more deaths in the family than most of us. We do. And, and you know, what? the way that we look at it is that um, we are the place that celebrates their legacy forever. So um, when an inductee passes, we, we lower our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame flag on our plaza. Um, we play their music all day long in the museum over the PA system. Um, we have a gallery where we hang uh, their photo and some of their artifacts in a place of honor. It's our memorial gallery. And we kind of celebrate their legacy uh, here at the museum and keep that alive. Um, that's how we look at it. Um, these, these artists, their music belongs to fans in the world. And we're a place that uh, can celebrate and recognize and, and preserve that. Greg, you know better than anyone that people are deeply passionate about music. With that said, I've heard from some very disappointed Dave Matthews Band fans this morning on social media that the band isn't being inducted this year, even though they received the most votes 
in the yeah. fan favorite section. How does that work? How did they not get inducted even though they topped the poll? Yeah, you know, the um, the fan vote is, one, um, it, it does gauge the popularity among fans of the artist. It also is a bit weighted toward those bands that have large social media followings and that are still active. Um, T-Rex isn't going to garner all that many fan votes uh, compared to somebody that has an active um, group that's promoting it and growing it. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for the Dave Matthews Band, I think they've been so gracious about simply being nominated it was the first time ever nominated. Uh, they were very um, humble and generous with that uh, with that designation, and um, I have a feeling they're going to feel the same way about this induction class of six. Uh, that they're thrilled for them, and they can be renominated next year and reconsidered, and um, uh, hopefully uh, they will be in- inducted in a future ballot. Right. There's no way they're not going to be inducted at some juncture. Greg, is there an artist who? for whom you have been disappointed that they have not yet been inducted? You know, I used to answer that by saying Stevie Ray Vaughan or saying Tom Waits, um, and uh, they've, they've gotten in. So many of my favorites, Dr. John, uh, have been inducted. Um, and, um, you know, it's, every year it's something new. There's always a, a, a new uh, bunch, and uh, there are some that were nominated this time around that I grew up loving, hoping they would get in. But I have no qualms with these six. These six are incredible. Uh, I'm excited to welcome them and excited to see uh, what sort of program uh, we can put together for the May 2nd induction ceremony and then our special exhibit here at the museum. Uh, I should say that ceremony is going to be broadcast live on HBO, and uh, fans should celebrate with us and then come out and see the museum in Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Of the six inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Greg, one is a woman, Whitney Houston. I saw a statistic, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw a statistic yesterday that said only about 9% of the people who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are women. How do you correct that in the long run? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, that statistic, I have seen that, and the way they calculate that, I, I don't want to get it into sort of an audit, but um, that looks at every single inductee. So it says that a band like, um, uh, you know, Parliament Funkadelic has 10 members. Uh, it, it counts every head. Um, another way to look at it is we have 330 artists um, that are being honored, um, and in those they have members. Uh, if you look at it that way, it's a little bit better of a of a of a ratio. I think it's more like 15% of women. That said, it, it's, it can be better. Um, there are more female artists making music um, than ever before and they cite the influences and those that had an impact on them as very important. Um, we are seeing a little bit of a reflection of rock and roll in the, in the 50s was heavily slanted with male artists. Uh, even in the 60s, it was heavily slanted. So that percentage is always going to, it's not going to be exactly equal, but uh, it'd be great to, um, to, to have that migrate and continue to advance as, as more and more female artists are, are being recognized. And I should also mention, you mentioned Parliament Funkadelic. They did have the Brides of Funkenstein in the fold, and I believe those, that was three women there. Uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, if you think about the Grateful Dead, I believe we've inducted 11 or, or 12 of those members, and, um, and Linda Godchalk is the, is the sole female member. So that ratio alone is, is going to be um, uh, pretty low. 
Thank you for your help with making the announcement of the inductees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Class of 2020. Greg, it's terrific talking with you. I hope I talk with you again. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, Denver is an incredible rock and roll town, and um, it's my pleasure to be on air with you. You've been listening to the Brett Saunders Podcast. Catch past episodes with David Byrne. Where I like went through the audience or whatever, came upon a couple who were making love on the ground huh. in the middle of the audience, just going right at it. And I thought, okay, the spotlight has found you. Carlos Santana. It's important to invite, invite people to... You know, do something different and adventuresome. Give yourself permission to be crazy and insane with, within reason of delicious madness. And the late chef, author, and television host, Anthony Bourdain. I only eat stuff that I enjoy. I'm not sitting around sort of chawing mindlessly on chips in front of the TV with a big, you know, big jug of diet soda. So that ain't me. Plus, many more. On demand at KBCO.com or wherever you get yours. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.